Hi, my name is Alvin McKenna, your host for Jane Feeder Pandemic Podcast. Here, I'll be talking to local celebrities, businesses, organizations, and more, discussing what effect the pandemic has had on them from the very start to how it may affect them moving forward. Each episode will be an honest conversation with honest answers and will give insight into certain news that the public might not be aware of. I'm looking forward to bringing you with me on my journey through the pandemic. Hi, welcome to Journey Through the Pandemic. During the first episode, I will be speaking to the CEO of Menkat Liverpool and Sefton on how she thinks the charity has been working during the pandemic and some exciting memories she had during the first year of the pandemic, even though it all had to be moved virtually and things changed. Hi Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself to my podcast? Thank you. Hi everyone, I'm Sarah. I'm the Chief Executive of Mencap Liverpool and Sefton. Thank you Sarah. I am now going to ask you some questions about how the charity felt during the first year of, of the pandemic. My first one will be, how do you think the charity worked during the first year of this pandemic? Well, I have to say I'm really proud of the way that we've worked. I think the charity's response to the pandemic and having to do things differently has been has been really fantastic. And and when I say the charity, I mean everybody involved. So I don't just mean the staff team, I mean the members, I mean the volunteers, I mean the trustees, I mean our supporters and the people who've who've supported us and helped us raise money. I think everybody's come together. We've been very creative, we've been very proactive, we've done all sorts of new and different and interesting things. We responded very quickly, so that's something that I'm proud of, that within you know within a week or two we were up and running activities on zoom and so many of the members adapted to that very quickly as well so we didn't have the we didn't have the resistance to that that i and lots of people expected maybe because there wasn't any other option or maybe because we were in this kind of state of crisis that people were willing maybe to try something they'd not tried before Um, but or maybe it's that people underestimate people with a learning disability which i think is probably also the case that we tend to assume or society tends to assume that people with a learning disability don't like change and they won't do new things and when your mental health um, can be compromised that somehow you're not in a position to adapt and to do something different and to step out of your comfort zone but I think the members have really shown that that's not the case at all and it's been fantastic to see how the members especially have stepped up to support each other and that peer support is something really exciting that's that's come out of the pandemic and that happened very quickly as well yeah i, I agree i think we have we have it was just very intense when when it struck we were all like panicking our face but um when when the whatsapp group got made it settled all of us, like all, our, all the members down, especially the staff as well, because the staff are helped as well. Um, 
how how do you think the staff felt when the pandemic was announced? I, I don't think anybody knew what to think um, because we didn't know then what was happening. We didn't know how long this was going to be for. We didn't um, we didn't know how serious it was going to be. We didn't know how the members were going to react. We didn't know how the funders were going to react either, and we didn't. Um, we didn't have very much money at one point near the start of the pandemic, so that was quite tricky. I think during the first couple of weeks, everybody was very up and down. We had to be very mindful of people having off days um, and people maybe needed to take a little bit of time. And there was also this whole uh, thing of adapting to working at home um that we'd you know we'd not done we'd not done before um certainly not as a whole staff team and we'd had to do it with no preparation and no thinking through how it was going to work i think a lot of the team were mainly worried about the members and about how the members would be coping and about making sure we were getting information out to people and making sure that people knew that we were there and what we could do and and, and that kind of thing yeah i i was a bit worried as well like when I, I, a few of our members as well when it happened because um some of us were like very cheerful and happy and like wanting to do things and go ahead and things and yeah, I think it was I think it was the day after we had cooking um, and it all just stopped and said Boris said you can't go out you can't do this and put a bad effect on us and on me myself because as you know but I had a um, big family loss during the year before and didn't have anywhere to go and and with Mencap, you certainly helped me through the through the first year. Well, that's really good to hear, Aaron. And I think, yeah, what you're saying is true. I think at the start, it was a bit exciting because it was all new and um, nobody kind of quite knew what was happening. And I think that um, adrenaline that you can get when when you're in that kind of the start of a crisis situation, I think that can feel quite exciting. To some people and then when the kind of the full lockdown was announced because obviously Mencap Liverpool we we closed um we closed our activities from the 14th of March so we were a little bit ahead of people and when the full lockdown was announced I think then it started to hit home that this was actually serious and I think a lot of people took a dip then yeah. and, and that's something that we've been mindful of each time there's been kind of one of the big announcements uh, that we're going back into lockdown or or what have you that we've been very aware of people feeling quite down and maybe a bit um losing hope a little bit kind of after those announcements and what we can do to mm. keep everybody going and and keep everybody focused on a on a brighter future yeah um i know like you were saying but not young how do you think are the members and staff were feeling like when the weekly announcements i'm looking know um we're here like when when he actually put on tears and then he, he said we could we can't go out at all again, like during the first and second, and we're in like the third lockdown. How do you think staff and members, and also I think the volunteers and all, all the like fundraisers, and that how do you feel? I think it's been a real roller coaster of 
emotions, hasn't it, for everybody? I think um, lots of people feel quite exhausted and worn out by it. Um, I mean, everybody, everybody responds differently and kind of has their own time scale for things and it's important to be mindful of that i think i think that this third lockdown seems to have impacted people hardest possibly because it's the start of you know happened at the start of january where we'd done christmas and new year it was the middle of winter that the vaccines hadn't really started being rolled out yet and there was just this sense of how long is this going on for and 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 can we keep going uh, people may be doubting themselves and their own their own resolve but i mean as you know i was in greece for 10 weeks so i missed lockdown too i was in lockdown in greece instead but I, I arrived home kind of the day before we went into lockdown three and I was really hit by how depressed everybody was really. Not, not in the clinical sense, but how everybody just seemed really down this time round. So kind of picking people up uh, has been hardest, I think, this time round. Yeah, um, yeah, because um, I've uh, done, I think it was the, the second lockdown, um, yeah, I... I um, I couldn't get on WhatsApp and um, but when I got back on on um, WhatsApp, I think that I like uh, I I I galvanised the whole members that to stay positive and like like we're in, we're all in this together because even though we're all struggling, we, we can all get through this journey together. It's like a big journey and. Hopefully, there's like something big coming on, coming out of this this uh, this, this pathway. It's like a pathway, I, I think, to even to, to more su success for us. And I think that was the difference, maybe, with lockdown two and lockdown three. This third lockdown, that for lockdown two, it was a short lockdown with a purpose to it. It was like we'll we'll do this as a circuit breaker as they were calling it and then we'll all be all right for Christmas and we can all have a fun Christmas and that obviously turned out not to be the case but when it was announced we th we thought that this short lockdown in November was going to do the trick and we'd all be okay and 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 we could you know we had something to look forward to at the end of it even though that ended up getting taken away. And I think I think that was the difference with the with the third lockdown, that even the people who have normally been the the kind of really cheerful ones who've been been picking people up afterwards, even they seemed really down in the dumps when, when I came back. So yeah, I think that was the difference. Do see how much impact it's had for members supporting each other and cheering people on and saying come on we've got this we can get through this we've done it already we know what we're doing so yeah. that, that you know has such a great impact it has such a, a great impact because like um, for, like some of our members they're, like, they're being through a lot of the journey themselves and like some of their family members are out bad and they've been feeling obsessed and we've like told them to sit in there the best, like in one of, we were saying, one of our members as well, and uh, had it, but we seem to just say bye and we're all, we can help him, help it out, things like that. Uh, the, the next one would be, um, what 
you think are the future plans for the, the new Crosby Building? Well, we've got lots of really exciting plans actually for the Crosby Building. So I'm glad you asked that question. We, we've got some things in place already um, and that will mean that we're able to restart activities again um, more quickly when restrictions are eased. So we've got an outdoor classroom which is going to be heated so you can be warm and dry but still be kind of outside and, and safe and working in small groups. And then we've got Perspex screens up in the large room so you can work on a on a big table in a group of six but separated from everyone else so you're not breathing on on other people doing a like an arts activity or a workshop or something like that and actually doing it in person which is really exciting and then we've got you know the hand sanitizing stations and we've got the face visors and lots of different things to help people stay safe so that's quite an exciting little development yeah. we've also put some uh, funding applications in because what we really want to do is kind of open up the front of Crosby so that we've got a really good uh, cycle shelter there so that people can can cycle to Crosby and you know we're doing the the project with cycling projects we've got a partnership with cycling projects to help people get on their bikes and use their bikes as a way of traveling to the Crosby building um, and getting out and about because we know that people are a bit um, cautious maybe of going on public transport especially yeah. while infection rates are, are high and that's certainly not something that we should be, mm -hmm. be doing at the moment but learning to ride safely on our bikes uh, is a great way of getting about because obviously it keeps us healthy as well so and, and and takes cars off the road so that's something that we want to do improve the cycling facilities yeah sarah um you were saying about well, transport uh, would you would you think of hiring like like a minibus now this pandemic is happening so people could get picked up at like at like different stations near to where we live we probably wouldn't look at a minibus because we're not a day service and the idea of kind of bussing people into a building is doesn't really fit with what we do and how we work. We want people to be independent. And if you provide a minibus to pick people up, it can easily create a dependency that people will only come if that, that facility is there. Mm -hmm instead of providing an alternative for people that they can access whenever they they want to yeah and can help them access lots of other things that are available in their local community not just you know coming to crosby or or coming into the center of liverpool so yeah. that for us is a more important thing to focus on so supporting people to cycle safely and supporting people to use public transport safely when that's appropriate is is much more our strategy. Uh, going back to to Crosby and some of the things that we want to do there, we talked about opening the front up. We want to create a coffee shop in the front with outdoor seating, and uh, Siobhan hopefully it might have got some coffee machines for us, which would be very exciting. 
we'd like to be serving a Crosby coffee because we're all big fans of them. So we think there's a, a great need for a uh, for a nice coffee shop that's accessible and affordable for the local community because the beach at Crosby is so popular and has become even more popular through lockdown and lots of people have rediscovered it but there aren't really the facilities in place and obviously mm. making sure that we've got covid safe facilities is is really important so yeah. so that's something that we'd like to provide for the local community but it also provides training employment volunteering opportunities for our members as well and a way of engaging with local people and educating them about learning disability about what people can do about what they're uh, you know what they're capable of and yeah um, one of my ideas uh, for the coffee house make one of the, the back rooms into like a radio make a radio room or like a podcast room so we can um invite some guests into to, to um, maybe interview them uh, I was speaking to Siobhan about, about it and um, so because I got my podcast mic and laptop and it, so I could try and do that. Yeah well there are lots of rooms in the in the Crosby building so I'm I'm sure there's there's one that we could uh, make into a makeshift podcast recording space certainly even if it's a case of booting me out of my little office for the day mm, yeah yeah yeah, we'll see. yeah we want to get a lift yeah so that the the upstairs is accessible that's yeah. that's really important and that's a big one on the list and that'll be quite a big project we also want to improve the toilet facilities as well so we've got a fully yeah. accessible change in place for people who've got more complex toileting needs and and to open up that area of the coastline as well to to yeah. visibly need that what what do you think we're going to be doing well we've not we've not owned a building in liverpool since 2005 we've been renting various spaces since then i think one of the big changes that's come about through the pandemic is the idea of us moving away from being a building based service into you know it, it, into more of a, a community presence so i don't see us having an office in liverpool in the future um i don't really see us having an office in the Crosby building there will be places where people can work from but our focus is much more on this kind of community of, of belonging so there are lots of different ways to get involved in what we're doing it's not about everybody coming to a building for Mencap Liverpool activities if that makes sense yeah because what that I mean that's something that we've learned through the through the pandemic that uh, I mean, we've we've all been online and phoning each other and writing to each other. And when we could in the summer, going out for walks, going to things that are much closer to home and finding what's out there in our in our local area, rather than all traveling to one one building to be together. I think that that's a really interesting, exciting development 
that raises the visibility of people with a learning disability because it sends that message out to everyone that you know we're here and we've got a right to access everything that's uh, that's available in the local community just as much as anybody else has so if it's not accessible let's make it accessible and if you want suggestions and help on how to make it accessible then we've got lots of expert um you know trainers who can help you with that the next one is um, how did you become the ceo of Mencar? well i saw the role advertised uh, for the chief exec of mencap liverpool and i applied is the is the very short answer so i have been the chief exec of mencap liverpool since july 2009 so this year it'll be 12 years that i've been in post which is quite a long time and obviously i became the chief exec of mencap liverpool and sefton when the two charities merged in december 2018 but the yeah the charity was a very well mencap liverpool was a very different charity to the organization it is now um and i'm really really proud of a lot of the things that we're that we're doing now especially the work that's being led by our members yeah how do you think like how do you think we've progressed since since we, we were Mencap Liverpool and now we've merged with Sefton how do you think we've progressed as a charity I mean we've, the, we've grown a lot in size certainly we've got we've got more more staff and we're covering a larger area We've had to develop new relationships in Sefton that we, you know, we just didn't didn't have before. Because South Sefton Mencat worked in a very different way to Mencat Liverpool, it's caused us to ask some kind of interesting questions about what's important to us, how do we want to run, and obviously we inherited this this building. We're thinking, okay, what what's the right way to to use the building? What do we need? to be doing with it. I think we've made some really interesting, exciting developments. Obviously the pandemic has kind of come and I would I would say interrupted in some ways, but it's changed maybe the direction rather than kind of interrupted the progress. And and in some ways it's really sped up the progress of the organization because we were looking anyway at moving from the Liverpool office and giving up the Liverpool office but because of the pandemic we had to do that more than 12 months sooner than we planned if we hadn't have had the pandemic I think it would have been very difficult for everybody to say goodbye to the Liverpool office the you know the staff as well as the members but I think because now we because of the circumstances that we had to stop going to the Liverpool office obviously because it wasn't safe we've we've been able to kind of get over that and get used to this idea of working from home and working remotely and going out and meeting people where they're at and and letting members take on more responsibility for delivering different projects and doing things in different ways so yeah in some ways the pandemic has really sped up our progress since the merger yeah um, how could we use them? Yeah, I think that's another real 
do I say positive? But something it, something quite important that's come from the pandemic in that it has made the wider population much more aware of the impact of social isolation and what it feels like to be lonely, what it feels like not to be able to go and do the things that you're you know you want to be doing like going for a meal or going to a place of work or going to school or you know all of those kinds of things or you know just meeting up with a group of friends that we've not been able to do those are things that people with a learning disability have you know faced barriers in accessing long before the pandemic yeah. in some ways people with a learning disability are better equipped to deal with the pandemic than others and i think that yeah. there's lots that we can learn from people with a learning disability and lots i think that us as a staff team have definitely been learning from the members yeah. and the members as a as a whole you've been so resilient and you've been so quick to adapt to new things you've been so flexible you've really yeah. challenged our expectations of uh you know how how we thought you would experience the pandemic definitely yeah. in a very very positive way and you know there are so many times when where i see that the the members have been dealing with things more easily than the staff have yeah you, you were saying about the staff how are you dealing with the staff are you feeling like knowing that, that they're, they're isolated I think it's really hard for the staff team and we had several new members of staff join the team at the start of 2020 and I mean Siobhan joined like two weeks before lockdown so we we never had a chance to get to know each other as a team and and us kind of supporting each other as a group has had to develop over the pandemic and during lockdown while we've not actually been able to see each other and and come together and that's been really really tough whereas most of the members knew each other before the pandemic and so for the members who knew each other it's been easier maybe for you guys to keep up that connection on zoom and, and maintain those relationships and those friendships where it's perhaps been a bit harder for the staff team because we've maybe taken for granted the fact that we could you know go into an office and speak to each other face to face how do you think that the wider public have developed I think it's kind of entered the general narrative that people are talking about isolation, they're talking about the dangers of being lonely, probably going to be a lot more academic research about the impact of loneliness because previously loneliness and isolation was only really seen as something affecting older people and then recently through the Building Connections funding that Mencap Liverpool and Sefton have been delivering in Sefton. A strand of that funding was specifically around youth isolation and youth loneliness. So they started to look into this idea of uh, young people who were only really connecting online but feeling very lonely because they weren't having good quality face-to-face -face interaction and didn't actually feel like they had any real friends. But we were still enormously frustrated that there was so little research and attention 
on the isolation of, of working age people who have had a learning disability. So I hope that it's going to be easier for there to be some research around that so we can learn more about it, but also funding for projects like Mencap Liverpool and Sefton who actually work to, to address those issues and to give people those friendships and support networks. Yeah, um, do you think all members have uh, adjusted well during the, pan the pandemic? Uh, because many of our members here have spent a lot of their uh, isolated as well. Do you think we've been able to adjust almost again to other sections of Lots of people who were already isolated before the pandemic began, in some ways the pandemic's been a good thing for them because there are all sorts of things that are now happening that they can access that are designed for people who, you know, aren't able to leave their homes and see other people because there's so much stuff that we can see online and so many new ways that we can see each other's faces and hear each other's voices and experience things together without physically being in the same space. So I think for lots of people who were already isolated, the pandemic has brought lots of things that have, have really helped them. And for them, it's not a, a you know, a, a poor kind of second choice. It's something that would have enriched their lives if it had happened sooner. Yeah. Is there anything else you, you would like to say? I'd like to say a huge thank you to everybody who has been part of our journey over the last year. You know, I, I keep saying it, but I am so grateful for the members of Mencap Liverpool and Sefton who have kept us going. You know, you, you've kept us going um, emotionally, you've, uh, you've kept us going practically by delivering some of the work yourselves, by coming up with new ideas, you've given the staff the, the motivation and the drive to, to get up in the mornings and keep going when it seems really tough. You've got involved in the fundraising and come up with all kinds of crazy ideas to, uh, to fundraise for us. You've been involved in the 2.6 challenge. Aaron knew yourself, we did that fantastic lockdown live event yeah. and now you're doing the podcasts and you've been such a good example to you know everybody about what people with a learning disability can achieve and I think that's been the most impactful thing across the whole of the pandemic. I'm also very grateful to you know all of the staff team who've worked so hard and put so many hours in and continue to work when it's felt really tough and when it's felt really difficult and you know we we don't we, we're a small charity we don't you know none of the staff earn a huge amount of money and they've they're working really hard for the for the love of it and for the love of you guys as as members and and because you're providing that motivation and, and inspiration and then to the funders and and to the individuals who've supported us financially and helped fund the work that we're doing and especially people who've um funded tablets and things so we can help get more people online and and, and people like that who've who've been involved and even just people who've retweeted the stuff that we're doing and, yeah. and supported us and helped us raise our profile you know it's been really overwhelming at times to see how people are they're supporting us yeah, yeah we're very proud indeed and i'm yeah. very very grateful to be um on the first edition of your podcast yeah um, 
my last one would be, um, how do you think the, the, the staying group have gone pandemic and how do you think we can go further into, into that? Yeah, Members Voice, uh, one of the best developments to have come out of Mencap Liverpool and Sefton's pandemic. We, so we restarted the steering group didn't we around june yeah yeah you're more the expert on this than me because you're in the steering group and i'm not obviously because i'm not a member but that regular meeting and developing those skills and the way again that that peer support the way that you all you've all supported each other in that group i think has been fantastic to see and and, and a real key ingredient to its success. I think that there are so many exciting possibilities for Members Voice in the future. I was talking last week about how I see it developing as a, as a shadow board. Really. So we have a, a group of people led by yourself and vi as vice chair and, and Sophie as, as chair of Members yeah. Voice to help test out the new ideas and the new developments that we're looking at as an organisation and informing the board about what you think about that and where you feel mm. we should be going yeah. so that we are you know we we're continuing to be a, a member-led organization yeah i think even though we're a small personality we join john and sophie's Sophie kind of driving that forward you know you're keeping the rest of the you know the senior management team and the board accountable for making change happen yeah. so you know you guys are really providing the fuel for that as well as the ideas thank you for your questions uh, on the next episode we'll be having an insight on how people in, in the music and radio industry have been working